Welcome to the Healthy Seas Podcast, a show about what we need to do to have just that, healthy seas and a healthy future. I'm your host, Crystal DiMicelli, and in each episode, we talk about the problems facing the seas and oceans and the solutions we have to fix them. Come on in, the water's fine. Hello, and welcome to the inaugural episode of the Healthy Seas Podcast. I'm so excited to be bringing this to you because the oceans play a fundamental role in the well-being of humanity. But they have also become our waste dump, some of the marine litter items being lost or abandoned fishing gear, known as ghost gear. Today I'm speaking with Veronica Mikos, the director of Healthy Seas, an organization dedicated to addressing the challenges posed by this issue and transforming them into opportunities. Hi, Veronica. It's so great to have you. Hello, Crystal. Good to see you. You too. So let's dive right in. Pun totally intended. <laughs> How and why was Healthy Seas born? Actually, it's uh, very interesting how the storyline of Health Disease was born. We started as an environmental initiative in 2013. And at that time, we were nothing else than a group of divers at the North Sea who seen the drama happening down there underwater, which many people who just have a nice beach walk, look at the calm, beautiful sea, do not notice uh, what's happening down there. So a group of divers at the North Sea started to clean up in their free time where they've seen animals entangled, plastic um, fishing nets, the devastating impact. And they didn't really know what to do with these nets. So for a few years, they just kept uh, cleaning up the wrecks and, and left the fishing nets in, in a municipal bin in the harbor. And then at a lucky moment in time, we uh, got to know an Italian uh, yarn manufacturer, Acrofil, who developed the technology to regenerate fishing nets and other nylon waste into uh, a yarn called Econil. So we met them together with another partner who was a nearby a Dutch sock uh, manufacturer, Starsock. And these three parties together just went uh, very openly to a brainstorming meeting like, like pieces of puzzle. We all do separately good things from each other. And uh, we thought, yeah, why not together? So the Italian yarn manufacturer agreed to take the fishing nets, which the volunteers recovered. And the Dutch sock manufacturer wanted to use the nylon yarn made of partially these fishing nets. And that's how the storyline of Healthy Seas, A Journey from Waste to Wear, was born. So you mentioned the ghost nets that you guys clean out of the ocean. Who's most impacted by this problem? So indeed, ghost nets cause a lot of problem for marine life. Uh, animals get entangled in them. Eventually, uh, a crab can live for, for months down there without uh, being able to eat. And eventually, they just starve, die. And they create a circle of death down there because other animals go and try to feed on them. Uh, for example, a seal also gets entangled and stuck. So first of all, it's a main problem for marine life. However, it's also a plastic waste which remains in the seas and oceans and doesn't bite degrade. So eventually losing pieces of plastic, so-called microplastics, which ends up in our food chain and our own body eventually. In some other parts of the world, for example, Asia, it's very striking to see how much a problem these ghost nets cause also to maritime industry safety. The fishing nets get entangled in the propellers of the boats. 
So it's really not just the animals underwater, but the entire society is affected by this. Mm -hmm. So their livelihoods can be affected. Their livelihoods eventually also many times fishing nets are washed ashore at the beaches. So it's a significant economical impact for municipalities to clean them up. Uh, So it's in all areas of, of our life, they can cause problems. How do you tackle this problem? Like healthy seas in general, what are the different areas that you focus on? Like I mentioned, how originally we started as a group of divers and organizing sea cleanups, that's what we call taking action on one hand. However, we know, just like in terms of human health, also in, in, in terms of the health of seas and oceans, prevention is always better than cure, right? So we put a lot of emphasis on engaging fishermen, uh, fish farmers, overall the fishing industry in a dialogue, raising awareness about this problem and also initiate net collection at the end of life in the harbors to prevent that they end up in the seas or landfill. So from these two directions, cleanups and preventions, we take action. And the third pillar of our activities is education awareness raising school programs as we know children are the future so that's that's a very important element as well and it seems like you have some really fun and engaging education programs because i've noticed that you have virtual reality simulations and and different hands-on activities that you do with everybody Yes, and it's fascinating how fast the children understand the connection between marine protection, uh, circular economy, recycling of fishing nets. So through fun games and programs, they really get it quite fast and quite right, I must say. People so often want to find a villain to point their fingers to, to the cause of a problem, but it's, it's usually not that simple. For example, when it comes to the fishers, they don't want to lose their nets. You know, that's money to them. So you work on preventing this issue by working with the fishers. What, what has that been like? What, what are their hesitations? What are their incentives? Indeed, the fishing industry overall is very conservative, a male-dominant sector, and our, our, our team with Healthy Seas is mostly female. So it's been not that easy from the first beginning to gain our credibility, so to speak. They were looking at us a bit like weirdos back then in 2013. Who would want to collect fishing nets and do with it what exactly? But eventually they got really excited when they seen the final products. And the first were the pair of socks. Not only we are an open initiative, so we have many other partners in the meantime who are producing different products such as swimwear, sportwear, carpets. So actually the products helped in a way to engage the fishermen because they have seen the goal, what their fishing nets will become. That was one thing. And the second thing was that they also realized themselves that fishing nets and plastic waste in the oceans is causing problems for themselves. So many times during their fishing activities, they catch either floating ghost nets or other type of plastic in their nets and less and less fish. So they are facing a new reality, and they also want to take action. It's everyone's interest that the planet remains healthy for our children and grandchildren. 
So eventually we managed to engage them. And, and the more we do, the more they look at each other. It's like the neighbors, you know, when we have one in one community, we engage a fisherman, then he becomes a sort of ambassador and the others want to understand how and why you work with environmentalists, what's in it for you. And often they say very proudly to their children that they are involved uh, in activities like this. So it's for a win-win. Yeah, everybody always asks themselves, like, what's in it for me, no matter what, in any in any cause or endeavor. So the fact that they're able to start realizing that they have a lot at stake is a really good thing. Now, Healthy Seas itself is small but mighty. And its superpower lies in how you're able to form partnerships and involve different stakeholders in your mission. Who do you collaborate with and how do you get them involved? Indeed, I must say one of the key success of Healthy Seas comes down to partnerships. So we are not only a group of passionate people, environmentalists, together with our partners, ghost diving, volunteer divers all over the world, but also our partners, business partners who produce a meaningful product out of uh, the materials we collect together with other nylon waste. These partners basically support our mission, so percentage from the donation of these products comes back and, and finances or uh, non-profit activities, the sea cleanups, the engagement of the fish, fishermen in prevention and the school programs. So what is very important for us is that we create meaningful partnership and bring different stakeholders together. So we are 100% dependent on donations, not on EU government or any other kind of funding or public money. So this, this model creates us a long-term perspective and stability. And this way, choosing our partners is really crucial. And companies come to you to become partners with you, correct? Yes, and we screen them very, very carefully. It's very important that we form partnerships for win-win. So we are not just openly selling our soul, so to speak, to anyone who wants to partner with us. But really, we need to see that either startup company or bigger company, what are their sustainability efforts, how they are practically engaged beyond talking, taking action in different areas. And I must say what Health Disease can provide them a difference with is our storyline and our clear results. So many, many measures companies are taking about climate change, re reduction of water consumption in their production processes can be very abstract. And what Health Disease does is clear, tangible, fun, even a child can understand it fast and easy. And this way, it's also easier for the companies to explain how they tangibly support an environmental initiative, how, how, how many tons of nets we recover in a year, and all those facts and figures we have. And you mentioned products a moment ago. What kind of products can be created from these nets? So basically, we recover all kinds of fishing nets and even other type of marine litter, whatever, or divers find. But all the nets first go to a cleaning sorting facility where the different type of nets are separated. And the polyamide 6, nylon 6 type of fishing nets together with other nylon waste become Econil yarn. This yarn is, is the basis of many, many products, socks, swimwear, carpet, sportwear, mostly apparel and the carpet industry basically is using this material, but also sunglasses can be made from plastic chips. 
The other type of fishing nets are used by another partner, Bracenet, who is making keychains, bracelets, lanyards, bags, any other kinds of accessories. And of course, we always have a portion of fishing nets which are eligible for any of these products. They become waste to energy. So that's also a form of uh, recycling according to the guidelines, but basically uh, that's that's the smallest part. Which are some of your most exciting or memorable projects? We had uh, quite some during the years, and one thing which, which keeps our team thriving is that we never have two years the same. So we always aim for something more, something different, something funky. And one of the craziest things I must say we ever did was in 2018 in Santorini in Greece. After two, two, three years of preparation or when the first thought was born, eventually in 2018 we managed to implement an underwater cleanup with two-way communication. So being live streamed underwater. So we did an underwater live streaming and Pierre-Yves Cousteau, the son of Jacques-Yves Cousteau, was the narrator. So people could ask through social media channels questions to him. And with a two-way communication system, he was connected with a 50 meter long cable underwater, holding a full face mask and answering basically questions from the audience and reporting how the cleanup is going. and. All this technology around it was specially built uh, for us by a Dutch company, and and uh, we were a bit uh, bit uh, scared to be honest when we pushed the button. Will it really work? What did we just started? But that was a half an hour recorded, uncut, underwater live streaming, fully prepared and implemented by our own team. <laughs> so that's so exciting! I have never seen that. Who was interacting with them under the water? Well, through the live streaming. So there was basically a group of divers doing sea cleanups from Greece, uh, Netherlands, uh, various countries. And and Santorini is a beautiful landscape. And uh, Jacques-Yves Cousteau was looking for a sunken Atlantis there. And he did his very first underwater discoveries around that island. So we thought we returned together with his son, who is working on uh, marine protected area designation there for uh, many, many years. And with this action, we wanted to raise attention also for the decision makers to speed up that marine protected area designation process a bit. And we also thought to offer something new and extra to our audience because people, if they go to our channels, they can see photos and videos of cleanup, but everything is so static, you know. And not everyone is a diver, so uh, we thought this could be a really cool thing and an education tool in a way. But to be honest, it was also highly risky because if you look at big channels, they also don't do live streamings like this. Normally they have cut programs, you know. So we took a bit of risk here, but (laughs) we believed in ourselves and, and we succeeded. It's still available, by the way, on our YouTube channel, this half an hour live streaming, so anyone can can look it up. We should include a link in the show notes so that people can go see that. That's really exciting. So you you mentioned policy. Like You guys were hoping to speed along the designation of the marine protected area. In your opinion, are there other actions that can be taken, policy, regulatory incentives on a local, regional, or global scale that can help fix these issues at their source? 
There are many great policies in place and it's improving year after year compared to where we have been 10 years ago. So overall awareness is raising a lot. So there is really a positive change compared to where we have been 10 years ago. There's always more to be done. From our side, we are closely following uh, policy processes and are involved in, in reviewing documents and roundtable discussions. However, we find that process too slow, <laughs> to be honest. So the reason why we as environmentalists teamed up with partners, industry, is for a win-win to take action, also provide alternatives for fishermen, According to the EU Port Authority directives, there are legal ways to dispose waste, you know, but we also realize gaps in legislations, not harmonized in different European countries. And sometimes it's just a nicer and faster way to engage fishermen communities directly. So that's what we do. And I think it's, it's like a parallel existence of, of the two lines, which both aim for the same goal of course, a better and healthier planet. And you get the buy-in from the fishers themselves, which no policy or regulation could accomplish. So I, I actually find it to be a stronger way to go about things personally. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So the term circular economy is quite a buzz phrase lately. Can you explain what that means? Because you guys are very much involved in the circular economy. Linear or traditional industrial processes are about make, use, dispose. So creating products which eventually end up in, in landfill, in a good case, <laughs> in bad case, in, in, in nature. You know, we all know dump sites in forests along the road, in nature areas, and even unfortunately in the seas. So traditionally, industrial thinking was like this. And the circular economy means that there is no waste. Waste is a resource and at the end of life, that particular product can become something new again and uh, be the basis of another new product. So this, this sort of infinity is something which uh, exists in nature by design. That height works among animals, in the forests, in the seas. But the people invented something which was not according to these principles. And, and, and luckily, lately, this has been picked up. And indeed, you say it's a buzzword, and we are happy that it's becoming a buzzword. We also like to see that the action behind is, is serious. 100%. Mm -hmm. Yes. But it's organizations like yours that are, are making that action happen and, and making this something that's viable. We are promoting the concept as well. We do not do ourselves. We are a marine uh, conservation organization, so we don't produce anything ourselves, but we team up with partners and companies, uh, startups, uh, bigger ones, who are doing something about it. What changes have you seen in the past nine years with the fishers, with the public in general? Indeed, uh, raising awareness, and that's and that's great. I remember when we started about ten years ago. Even the even the word ghost nets were not well known. We could find probably two three hits in Google, uh, some reports, and nowadays it's like part of our life. There are so many organizations, initiatives, groups taking action, and that's and that's brilliant. We always decided for ourselves from the first beginning. 
we cannot and we don't want to be the only ones and we are not here to save the planet alone and uh, seeing that we can inspire others to take action and do something about this is is really great and rewarding so um, there is raising awareness definitely in all areas not only among fishermen but also there are many other non-profit groups individuals who are taking action and how can the listener take action how can they get involved Indeed, not everyone is a diver, uh, not everyone has anything to do with fish, fishing nets or doesn't even live along the sea. So those people who want to directly uh, support our organization, that's possible, of course, buying one of these products, which are with a story behind and creating value is another option to support us. And eventually uh, we are looking for volunteers continuously, not only if they are skilled divers, but also if they want to help us with education programs or with any other activities. So for that, there are possibilities on our website where you can see ways to help. And one more thing I wanted to uh, mention is that everyone can help in every way because we all share together one big blue planet. And regardless if it's related directly to fishing nets or not, through everyday life, the clothes you wear, the food you eat, the way you travel, the way you spend your free time, everything is a choice. Everything is a conscious choice or should be a conscious choice. So people have the power by really simple things, buying local regional products, using clothes as long as they are not broken, in a way to reduce the impact, the negative impact, which our consumption is creating for the planet. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Veronica, for joining me today. I love the mission of Healthy Seas. I think what you guys are doing is unique and inspiring and very impactful. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you so much. Thanks for diving into the Healthy Seas podcast with me. I'm your host, Crystal DiMicelli. And I was just chatting with Veronica Mikos, the director of Healthy Seas. If you want to learn more about the organization, head on over to healthyseas.org or follow along on their adventures through social media. And if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and review it on your favorite podcasting app. I'll catch you next time. Healthy Seas is a nonprofit on a journey from waste to wear. Founded in 2013, the organization aims at reducing marine litter caused by lost fishing gear through cleanup, prevention, and education activities. The nets collected by Healthy Seas are subsequently reused and recycled and used by its partners for the creation of new products.